It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on in to The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I would love for you to find all of our past episodes in the podcast space. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, The Mom Show has so many great episodes up there for you to listen to in your busy mom life. I'm joined today by an LDS sex therapist. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Dr. Fife, how are you? Good. Thank you for being here today. This is a topic that is hard for some people to talk about. And I want to talk about uh, creating a culture of openness in our families around sex. And I I brought you in because I feel like having, you know, just getting to, you know, age whatever, and now the birds and the bees talk and that's it, we're done, is not the most effective way to talk to our kids about sex and I think it's really important for us to kind of create an open culture um, and can, can you speak to kind of why you see that as so important? Yeah I mean I think there probably was a day and age you know when the sex talk in terms of just giving kids the logistics of what reproduction was was sufficient enough I suppose I mean maybe it was never great but because the culture itself was so buttoned down around sexuality and, you know, that that it was more appropriate. But now we live in a culture that's like, you know, it's a sex-saturated culture. There's sexuality everywhere, and our kids are learning a lot of meanings around sexuality that we may or may not agree with. And so they're learning it from peers, they're learning it from media, They're learning it on the Internet because they can access all kinds of information there for better or for worse. And so parents no longer have the luxury, if that's the way of saying it, of not being active mentors around sexuality in the culture we currently live in. Mm. And that's hard, you know, just from a perspective of like, uh, what if I'm not comfortable (laughs) with some things, right? It's hard to create that culture if you yourself aren't comfortable with a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in order to do an adequate job as a parent, you have to deal with your own anxieties about sexuality and what message it is that you really want to offer to your children, both in what you say to them and how you actually live around the topic. Yeah. So talk to me about a little bit about what this kind of looks like to create uh, an an open culture. I mean, bless my parents' heart, but I cannot even fathom going to them for anything, you know, related to sex issues and asking questions by any means. But I really want to create that relationship with my daughter. Do you have any suggestions on how we do that? Yeah, I think that kids track their parents remarkably well. And, you know, the reason that you didn't want to go to your parents or wouldn't go now is because you have mapped them as being uncomfortable with the topic, that their anxiety would go up. Not only would your anxiety perhaps be high as a kid looking for information, you knew that it would be overwhelming for them. So it's sometimes, usually it's unarticulated, but you understand your parent can't handle it. Mm. And so... um, the way you talk about sexuality 
the the level of comfort that you have will be manifest to your children through your behavior, whether or not you want it to be. And so in order to be a resource, you have to demonstrate your desire to be a resource, not to control them, but to be a resource. And you have to demonstrate that you can handle the topic. Mm. And you demonstrate it through who you are. And by being willing to talk about sexuality, not as the talk where you're hyperventilating and just trying to manage your fear, you are demonstrating the ability to be a mentor around their sexuality and about around their lives throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have an online course in which I talk about this, you know, for how to talk to your kids about sex for LDS parents. But I talk about the different stages and ages that's going to change the way you position yourself and what it is that they need to understand but it is a lifelong experience, just like teaching them how to be in relationships, teaching them your values is a lifelong experience. It's part and parcel to living life well is integrating your sexuality and expressing your sexuality in ways that are loving and good for the person themselves and the person they're in relationship with. Yeah. And so I guess give me a little bit more about what that means. Like, does it mean like just being more open, talking about it more? Does it mean, you know, sitting them down? What does it kind of look like? It it does mean having ongoing conversations at the place that the child needs the input and it is showing a comfort with the topic and the body. So I know for some parents it's going to feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm not comfortable, so how do I quickly get comfortable? Um, and I can say a little bit more about that, you know. But I would say, for example, it's it's a level of when you're giving your kids a bath that you're not terrified of nudity, mm. that you aren't teaching them anxiety about the body through the way that, you know, you are having a hard time just allowing them to accept and value their body. Mm. Um, it's at the level of if you see your child t- touching themselves, which is very normal at, you know, age two and three because they're exploring their body, not freaking out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that you can recognize it for what it is, that the child is learning their own body, finding what feels pleasurable and not showing so much anxiety that you can't just... Uh, understand the normalcy of that behavior. And what is the appropriate response in that situation? Because, yeah, you don't want to, like, swat their hand away or be like, don't do that, right? You don't want to freak out. What do you do? I mean, you know, at age two, three, and four, I would say the normal response is just an acknowledgement that it's, you know, it. I would say almost no response. It's a normal behavior. You can, if they're four and they're in the living room, uh, you can say, you know, that's a private thing and and doing it in public is impolite Mm. you can talk to them more about a social awareness but i would not be shaming in any way of the fact that they're doing what would be considered 100 percent developmentally normal you know to explore and when their body and when they find something that feels good it's normal to want to touch it it's what i would do is more just not have much of a response except for, you know, just an acknowledgement of it and maybe redirecting them towards whatever's going on in the moment in the, in the household. Mm, Yeah. A little Um, distraction. Yeah. I mean, I think we have an idea sometimes that that 
is damaging for the child or dangerous for the child, and I actually don't think it's dangerous for the child at all. What is dangerous is internally internalizing the idea that it's bad mm. and that this is a negative behavior because in reality that drives more anxiety and more focus on sexuality in a negative sense as they get older. You know, a lot of times in our efforts to create more conservative choices in our children, we shame and scare them into more compulsivity around their sexuality. Mm, that's so interesting. It's almost like if you say you cannot have a Diet Coke, I forbid you for having, from having a Diet Coke. All you want sure. is a Diet Coke. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And many people who have compulsive eating patterns have shamed their desire for sugar or food. Um, and so they are in this constant battle between indulgence and restriction and my view is that the way to parent well and as a, as a human being, the goal is to integrate your sexuality, uh, you know, our God-given sexuality. It's inherent to being human, to integrate it into our sense of self and to integrate it with our values. Mm. But many of us have the idea that our sexuality will bring us down, that it's dangerous inherently, as opposed to it's a normal part of human experience. And it's not just normal, it's fundamental to and very important to living a good life. Mm -hmm. And that integrating it with our sense of self and our values is fundamental to living life well and to being able to love another person well. I think that is the key. Yeah, that is so important. And so how we teach our kids to relate to this is really, if our only goal is to keep kids from having sex before marriage, well, Maybe shaming it's the way to go, although I don't think the research actually shows that. But, you know, that certainly feels instinctive. But if your larger goal is to help kids make wise choices to be capable of an intimate marriage, you want to help them really value and integrate this part of themselves and then make wise choices through it rather than this fear-based compulsivity that either drives repression or indulgence, which we see with many of the people that we love, that that's been the effect of how they've been taught about sexuality. That's so interesting. Dr. Jennifer Van Lysen Fife, she's an LDS sex therapist. Uh, Dr. Fife, I want to come back and kind of maybe get into some of the, like we talk about what's age appropriate behavior, but I don't really know what that means. <laughs> like, I know probably for a two and a three year old, you can kind of figure that out. But when you get a little bit older, what does that mean? So maybe we can dive into a little bit of that when we get back on the mom show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. My guest is an LDS sex therapist. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Hi, Dr. Fife. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thank you for being here. Uh, you, I have followed you around and followed your work on different podcasts and, and uh, your own Uh, blogs and stuff. And I just love your message around sex and sexuality. And so I wanted to kind of uh, talk about this today in the frame of uh, teaching, how do we talk to our kids about sex, but not just like the birds and the bees talk, because as we've been discussing, it kind of needs to be a more culture, open culture around sex, not just like a one time talk and you're done. And that's the information, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, 
as we've talked about, that kind of is so important because it just helps with healthy sexual integration. And I think it's really hard for us to see our children as sexual beings. Would you agree with that? Why is it important for us to maybe like start accepting that a little bit? Well, I think it's hard for us, first of all, hard to see our kids as sexual beings because, well, it speaks to our own terror of sexuality and the notion that sexuality is an evil force. Mm. And so because we want to see our kids as good and innocent and pure, we then want to sort of rob them of, we want to sort of divorce our idea of our good children from the notion of their sexuality. Mm. And I think it's an exposure, that no, that tendency in us exposes our ambivalence about sexuality, but also the way we've put sexuality together um, in the meaning we give it. And so as I talked about in the first segment a little bit, is that we tend to see sexuality as this force for evil that will bring you down unless you keep a tight control on it. Mm. And I can understand why we feel that way a little bit, because sexuality is a very powerful way of being in relationship to another person. And therefore, it has the ability to, to be a force for great goodness or great ill, because it's such a powerful language in a sense it's a powerful currency Mm. so being careful and cautious about it and teaching your children to do the same is really important but that's different than it's inherently bad it's just it's just powerful yeah and so the what the real idea though is that if you integrate it well and you you relate to your sexuality in terms of how it blesses your life and will bless the life of someone you love that then you have the ability to use this powerful force and capacity to do great goodness in your life and to and to really experience the capacity for great joy because I don't think you can really have that without the real integration of your sexuality and loving and being loved through your sexuality. I think it's sort of the pinnacle human experience. So I think that, uh, again, we don't want to see our children as sexual beings because we're afraid it will taint them. Mm. It's really important for us to help our children be understood as sexual beings inherently because they're human, and from an early age to understand that it's a good part of being human, or it's potentially good anyway, and that how they relate to it matters. Mm. So you're giving both messages, that it's good, that it's inherent to being human, male or female, and it, how they relate to it matters and that they want to be, to use their sexuality as a force for good in their lives. I love that. It's kind of a reframe (laughs) on, on sexuality for a lot of people. Yes, definitely. So many of us have just inherited this anxiety that we feel in our homes or with our parents or with uh, church uh, teachers and so on, that the inherent terror and fear around sexuality. And so many of us kind of shut it down or push it away and it works against that integration that we really need. Yeah, it's sort of like when you resist it, it mm-hmm. it makes it worse, right? Yeah, it becomes its own negative force in our lives. Yeah, that's so interesting. So I know that you teach a course um, where you help parents kind of create this open culture in talking about sex in their families. Um, and you work specifically with LDS parents, but um, just in general, I'm wondering if you can help us kind of work through 
like what is age like we hear that age, talk to your kids age appropriately about sex like you don't need to give them too much information too soon I only have a three-year-old so I know right now I'm just anatomically correct body parts is pretty much all I'm doing and then again trying not to um, like swat her hand away if she's curious about herself or anything like that like not to to react in a bad way about it I feel like that's the best thing I can do at this age can you kind of walk us through sort of what it looks like uh, with different age groups about what information we should be giving them sure and I, I'm much more thorough about this in the course itself because I, I haven't refreshed my mind on all these stages uh, recently. But what I would say is, I mean, I think, yes, uh, teaching anatomical parts and so on at age two and three is valuable. Age four, it's all valuable. What I would say is even more fundamental is is teaching a child their the mother tongue of love through the body. And that is, you know, when you kiss and stroke a baby and show them that they're loved and secure and valued through the way you hold them, talk to them, love them, you know, through the body, that is a way of, that's, that's our mother tongue is the language of the body. Mm. And that when you can continue to love your toddler daughter and to hug her and to kiss her and to, you know, to teach the sensuality of the body and the goodness in it and to communicate love through it. Just a very fundamental primary framework for what loving sexuality is in its adult form. Mm, that's great. So that's very important. You know, then the idea of teaching your bo- the, the body parts, you know, the names, okay, they matter a little. You know, I mean, that's, it's a way of making it real to the child, but more important is demonstrating, in my mind, more important is demonstrating you're not afraid of the body parts and you're showing that they don't need to be afraid of them. Mm. It's just a part of, they have an arm and they have a vulva. They have, you know, all these parts and they're all good. Mm-hmm. And even if you're religious, the idea of saying that God, you know, gave you all of this and it's all good. Because many of us think, you know, well, down there, my body is good except for the bad parts. Okay, that's mm. how many of us have internalized it, and it's wrong. It's the wrong way to think. Mm. And so you want to demonstrate that attitude towards the body and towards your own body and a kind of an acceptance and embracing of the body, that the body is lovely and beautiful in its own right and all of the variation um, that is out there, and that you can accept your own body and the bodies of your children. That's a very important way of integrating their own sense of selfhood and having it be inclusive of their bodies. So that's really the primary work of those sort of foundational years up until, you know, five and six and so on. When there's more to that, I think, starting to teach kids about um, that their body belongs to them. I talk about this in the course, but just things to help prevent against sexual exploitation, better understanding of their body being theirs and that they can define, you know, whom they hug and whom they allow to touch them and so on. Those are all early lessons that don't have to be talking about sexual exploitation because they won't fully understand it. Right. But better understanding the ability to own their own ex- bodies and to self-define. Um, the when they start to move into the pre-adolescent period of age 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, it's really important at this point to start to give them the fundamentals of sexuality. Now, um, some authors talk about age 8 is really the right age. 
I would be looking more for when my children are starting to ask questions. Mm. And to be the most important thing you want to do is to demonstrate your ability to respond at the level that the child can understand. Mm. You know, um, I remember asking my dad at age four or five, how does, you know, how does mom get pregnant? And I remember him saying at a very age-appropriate level, well, dad gives mom a seed, and then the baby starts to grow inside mom. Hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't ask how the seed got there. (laughs) But, you know, he didn't need to give me the whole talk. It would have been overwhelming. But he was able to give me information to show that he could handle me having that question. Yeah. And Uh, is it okay maybe in that situation, like, if you don't know how to respond to that question, to, like, like, I don't want to make her think that I'm scared of it, but I might need time to formulate an answer. Yeah, I think if you are a little bit like, what exactly is she asking? I don't know how to respond. I think I would just say, try and understand what her question is a little bit better. And if you still don't feel like you know what she's looking for or you're not sure how to respond, I would say it's a really good question. Let me just think about it a little bit, and then I'll, I'll get back to you. Mm. you know, if you need to kind of think about what is it that I want to say, what do I think is the right response, um, I think that's completely fine. Because you did it so beautifully, but I don't think I could think like that on the spot. <laughs> I would probably yeah. just be like, yeah. uh, go ask right. your dad. <laughs> Right. I don't know. <laughs> right. I know. And especially if you are feeling like if I get it wrong, it's going to be damaging. Yeah. I mean, I think what's more important is demonstrating a willingness to think about it with your child and to help them to understand it. So, you know, it's something you have to get everything right at all times. And I think taking your time to respond thoughtfully is no no problem at all. Yeah. I worry that I'm kind of just avoiding talking about it until I have to. And I'm wondering if many parents are in that same situation. So, like, yeah, do you recommend, like, I guess that would be kind of a birds and the bees talk to sit down and do it. But is there a good time or should you wait until your child comes to you with something they've already picked up or? No, you shouldn't wait because your child's already picking up that mom's anxious about this. And so she's very likely not going to come to you even if she does have a question. Mm. So you need to be on the forefront and demonstrate ahead of them that you can and are comfortable enough to have these conversations. And once that's established, then they really do come to you. You know, my kids are teenagers now, but they will come and ask me questions. They'll say, Mom, what does this mean? And it's something they've heard. They know it has a sexual reference. They don't know what it means. And it's demonstrating, I mean, it's a, it's a little uncomfortable for them because kids and parents uh, and sexuality don't mix for a reason. Yeah. So it is always a little bit uncomfortable, but they understand that mom knows that she'll know I can get it straight from her. And, um, you know, that that's, so they demonstrate that, how to say it, they trust that I can handle their questions and that I won't make them more anxious in my response. Yeah. And I wonder if it's even like you're watching a show on TV and you see something that pops up, like in our day and age, you're going to see something maybe that you consider inappropriate just watching a normal show on TV, right? It might be a chance to be like, hey, what did you guys learn from that or something? Yes, absolutely. So exactly. So I think having those kinds of conversations, which I have with my adolescents quite a bit, 
around the media manipulation of people through sexualities, what the messages are that they're giving, mm. discussions more recently about these public profile men that have been called out for sexual misconduct, and just having discussions and getting their thinking about it, giving my view on it, just allowing a culture in which these very real parts of human experience can be thought about and be thought about with with a parent. And that's not me controlling their view, especially in that, let me say it like this, in the pre-adolescent period, you're more imparting your perspective and really shaping their view around these things, both through what you say and how you act. You know, my kids can see that their mom is comfortable with her sexuality and likes their dad. Mm. That's a very important message that's not being articulated in words, but they are getting from watching their parents. Mm. And then they're giving, being given a message of, of conservative choices and the value of that. So the two together, like, it, it becomes a powerful message and very shaping of how they're in relationship to their sexuality. When you get into the adolescent period, you're not as much in the instructional position as you are more of a kind of mentor, or I'm not quite the right word. You're more, you're not directly imparting, they're navigating their way, they're starting to figure out who they are and what they want, but they still see you as a resource and someone that they can consult with if you've established that relationship well in the pre-adolescent period. Mm, I like that. um, yeah, but that now they're more going to be asserting their choices. And you can, you know, one of the ways that I've talked to my adolescent kids when they were a little younger, and you can do it in that sort of as they're moving towards adolescence, is helping them to think about, like, what kind of, what is it that you want to create in your life? What kind of sexual relationship do you want to have someday? Or what kind of, you know, when you think about the person that you're going to marry and love, you know, what is it that you want to create in your life on that front? And so as you make choices as an adolescent, you want to think about, does this choice make me more able to achieve that goal or less able? Mm. It's a, Because it's a way of not just saying, oh, sexual feelings and thoughts are bad or the fact that porn is out there and it's appealing is just makes me a horrible person. It's like, of course you're going to have those feelings, and of course that's going to be appealing. The better question is not whether or not it's appealing, or, you know, uh, could capture my attention or engagement, the better question is how do I want to direct my sexual energy towards what I want to create in my life ultimately? Yeah, I like that frame a lot. Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, she's an LDS sex therapist. That's who we're speaking with right now about creating an open culture around sex uh, in your families. We'll take a break. We'll be right back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. As always, we're in the podcast space. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher. Just search for KSL Moms. Wherever you listen to your podcast, search for KSL Moms. I'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. You'll get notified. I'd love for you to register a review on iTunes. That helps other people see the Mom Show podcast. Uh, so I would love that. 
uh, if you could go and do that. I'm joined today by Dr. Jennifer finlayson Fife. She's an LDS sex therapist, and we're talking about kind of creating this open culture uh, around sexuality uh, in your families. Uh, Jennifer, I would love if we could kind of talk about, you know, abstinence. I know that's the goal. For a lot of families, it's a value. A lot of families share uh, having their children be abstinent until marriage. Uh, if that's your um, goal and if that's your, your value you've set for your family, uh, how does one uh, <laughs> sort of create this culture of openness and, and sexuality being a good thing and a valuable thing while still having that message? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you can clearly give both messages as you start talking to your kids about sexuality as saying, you know, in the kind of pre-adolescent period, as I was talking about before, just beginning with a message of valuing sexuality because it's such a wonderful part of life and because it is such a sort of powerful way to be in connection with another person, the value in preserving it for a very special kind of relationship, a committed relationship. And while it could, it feels good to be sexual, that um, in some ways you cheapen its meaning, um, its potential meaning, and you run some risks, both physical and emotional, by being too indulgent around it. And so you can frame it up as because we value it, there is a lot of um, importance in being careful and cautious and conservative in those choices. And, you know, you could say that we as a family value and believe in this idea of waiting until you're in a committed relationship in a marriage. So I think um, you can just offer that view without diminishing sexuality at all. Mm. And you can say, look, you know, a lot of people will disagree with you or a lot of people will make different choices around it. Um, you know, they're, and, you know, they can make those choices, but I value, we value this for these reasons, and um, you ultimately will have to decide for yourself around this, but I share it with you because I believe it's right, and I believe it's good for your development to choose similarly. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, I think the piece I'd put in there is that does not mean that your sexual feelings and desires and all that are not going to be fully on board long before you get married. Right. I'd just be straight up about it. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> nothing's going wrong. Right. Okay. Uh, that's how it's designed to be. And so it is going to mean making decisions in the face of sexual desire and feelings towards that end. And that you don't need to shame them. You just make choices in the face of those feelings towards what it is that you want to create ultimately. Yeah, well, it's such a different message to say, um, you know, you're going to be curious. It's not if you get curious, it's when you get curious. This is what you do, right? It's the same way I teach my toddler how to feel her emotions, right? She's like, I'm, I literally say to her, this is, this is mad, baby. You're just mad. This is how you, this is what being mad feels like. Yes, right. Exactly. And so you don't shame the reality of those feelings. And you, um, because what happens if you do is people then feel like I'm bad because I'm having the feelings. They try to push it down. Then sometimes it comes out in sort of indulgent moments or they're being more sexual than they even want with somebody. When you push it down, you get less able to control it. 
And then what often happens for many people is they get married and then they feel like I've shut this whole part of me off and now I'm supposed to access something that I've never integrated with my sense of self. Mm. And it becomes almost impossible to be in a passionate marriage at that point because while those feelings can feel like they're in the way before you get married, it's really important to come to some sense of acceptance of and ownership of your sexual feelings and desires before marriage, because then it is an act of intimacy to share those feelings and with another person, to know their sexuality and to share yours with them. That becomes an act of intimacy, and it can't be intimacy if you have no sexual self to share. Mm. That's such an interesting and great message, I think. Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, she's an LDS sex therapist. Uh, Dr. Fife, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back on The Mom Show. Back inside the Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. We've been talking about creating a culture of openness around sexuality in our families. I have on the line Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. She is an LDS sex therapist. Hi, Dr. Fife. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for being here today. And Obviously, the stuff we've been talking about today doesn't just apply to LDS families. This applies to to any families dealing with, uh, you know, talking to their kids about sex. And uh, it's it's tricky and it's it's challenging. Um, but uh, the message I'm getting from you is is in order to create this kind of open culture, it can't be just a, at one point in life you sit down with the birds and the bees talk and that's good enough. Maybe that was good enough at one point. But now in the culture that we live in, it's sort of... Um, creating a uh, an open culture around that, that mom and dad are comfortable talking about this stuff so that you know our kids can adopt the message that their sexuality is inherently good uh, and that will help them with healthy integration once they get into their marriage relationships if abstinence is the goal mm-hmm. that's kind of a mouthful yep. but <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm taking from all of this Okay, so say that, you know, my kids are teenagers by now, and maybe I feel like I haven't really done a good job of creating this culture. Is it ever too late for me to uh, establish a healthy relationship around sex? I would say it's never too late to have a positive impact on your children's sexual development and their reality, even if it's later than you wish it were. I think that... I remember my mom saying to me at one point when she saw the work that I was doing, she said, you know, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to be a better guide to you. Mm. And I'm grateful that you have found your way and that you're doing the work that you're doing. Meaning that's not, that's even her saying at a late point, like I acknowledge and recognize that I couldn't give you everything I wish I could. And I'm glad that you have, Um, come to peace with this part of yourself. It is still a positive and important message. I think that, um, you know, one of the people that was in one of my seminars was saying that she wanted to say to her kids, I made a lot of mistakes around the messages I gave you. I gave you a lot of fear messages around because I have been afraid Mm. and they're wrong. And I still sorting this out myself, but this is, um, I want you to come to peace with your sexuality and understand it for the good thing that it is and can be in your life and to go farther than I was able to go with it. So 
that is a way of giving a message that um, I got some of my messaging wrong, and mm. I am offering you the possibility of really relating to it differently. Well, and that just speaks to the way you can repair anything, really, in a parent-child relationship. I know, like, when I've snapped at my child too many times, I always try to go back and be like, I'm sorry, Mommy got mad, you know? Like, sometimes I get mad, <laughs> and I didn't Absolutely. handle it very well, right? It just speaks to, like, and as an adult now, how validating is it if your parents come to you and just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't have all the information to give you or I, or I conveyed the wrong message. That's right. Meaningful repair is a really big deal. It alleviates something in a child, whether they're an adult or an adolescent or younger, to, that they really frees them up to see my mom or dad made a mistake, and it frees me up to consider this differently and not carry the burden of that behavior or that view and so I think really trying to offer something better makes a difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's never too late is essentially what you're telling us. That, yeah, that's right. And it's never, exactly. And you can always try to do your job as a parent, uh, however imperfectly the genuine intention of that is a big deal. Yeah. Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, where can people find you and what, what services do you offer uh, if people want to take your courses? Sure. Um, You can find me at finlaysonfife.com, which is just my name. And I do online courses that are currently on sale, actually, for the holidays. So they're a nice gift to give to your spouse or to an adult child. And then I also do live seminars um, uh, for women around, for LDS women in particular, around um, integrating their sexuality and um, coming to peace with desire and sexuality in their lives. And so I've We'll be doing some of those in Utah, although those are sold out. But I, uh, you can find more of those on my podcast. I'm sorry, on my uh, live workshop link on my on my website. Very good. And I would highly recommend going and listening to all the other podcasts that Dr. Fife has been on because <laughs> she has just great information and great insight. And it's a hard topic to talk about. Thank you, Dr. Fife, for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you. And we'll be back next week on The Mom Show.